Hey everyone, Ruby's back. At it again. And I wanted you to catch up with what I was experiencing this week or um, this past week. So, Monday started off with quite a bang. Um, I had therapy that day. And prior to therapy, I was doing my morning routine of heading into work. And it was difficult, to say the least. Just because I was having a hard time processing some stuff. There was just like... Um, this overwhelming feeling that just, like, suddenly hit me. Like, this sense of injustice, this anger, this boiling, seething, primal aggression and rage that was, like, coming out of my body. All due to me seeing, like, people getting, like abused like for their money on the subway with like the same guys that would usually like sneak their way past um the gates and it's like one thing to do that every once in a while but like these are guys that like reoccur and do it all the time so they can avoid fares and it's so frustrating just to see and i think that small injustice just like triggered um me thinking about how my stalker just, like, is out there and living his life when I know who he is as a person. And I went as far as to just, like, think about all of these horrible thoughts, these angry, violent thoughts I had of this dude that ruined my life. And, like, even when I got to work, I found out his address, his whole phone number, everything. Wrote it down. It was just wild to see. And I was reading all the reports, like police reports of stuff he did in the past and why he lost his job as a police officer. Stuff I already knew, but stuff I was reminded of. And I remembered that his son passed away and like... 2011 and I can't believe the same guy that had someone so close his own child lost treat another boy like me when I was 19 still like an adult but still in like a childish manner you mistreated me that way and I thought of how his son would perceive his father acting the way he did that day to me and the disappointment that he probably would have for his dad and how someone can go out of his way to ruin somebody's life just because he's younger and more vulnerable And I was telling this to my therapist. And she was letting me process this and feel this out. And she definitely figured out that, like, that small injustice, that small action prior got me down this, like, ra like raging rabbit hole. And I was, like, thinking of plans that I could do and, like, just to meet up with him and 
just horrible ideas. And my therapist finally was able to, like, bring me down and just, like, spill my guts. Everything about what I felt. The anger, the rage, the sadness, the disappointment, the depression, all of that just unraveled on the table and I could feel it. It was, like, all gone out of my body. And I didn't have anything left. I just kind of just felt like I was looking at all of it and disappointed in myself on how someone can turn me into something that I never thought I could turn into all because this guy couldn't handle loss and the trauma of his life. And all the paperwork I wrote with all the addresses and all the information, I kind of just let go. I crumbled it all, ripped it apart, threw it in the recycling bin. Never thought of it again. I do think a lot about honing in all my thoughts. And trying to get an apology out of him for what he did to me in the nicest way possible. And I want to take action for what he did to me and my wife. He fucked my life up so much. And I don't want him to take any more of it. And then following that, my boss definitely could tell I was having a long, long day. My irritation was high. I was exhausted. And she followed up to ask how I was, and I said, not good. Usually I would say, okay, or I could be better, but I just said, not good. And I think just because she has motherly instincts, her being a mother, she just kind of just let it go and kind of just like kept it minimum and said, I hope you feel better. Let me know if you need anything. And then she exited the room to give me space. And it was like a weird feeling just because like it's so easy to get caught up into those thoughts and keep on going and going and going. And then once you let those feelings go, you kind of miss it because it's so easy just to hang on to it. It's so easy to get into a violent thought. It's not easy to figure out a way to grow out of it and move on and forgive for yourself and forgive the other person for what they did. And I'm not ready to forgive him for what they what he did to me. But I'm willing to forgive myself and how I felt that day. And how I felt vulnerable and how I felt like I was scared. And I feel better now and I feel more comfortable with myself. You know? And after thinking about this, I kind of just went day by day. Through the whole week, I kind of just... Um, thought about things more. Um, on Tuesday, I kind of spoke up for myself because my therapist wanted me to go into 
taking a break or a vacation just because even with our sessions, she kind of just described to me that I have anxiety. Especially with the questions that she was asking me and how I was leaning a certain way very heavily to me having anxiety. Um, and she's trying to figure out what I can do, maybe medication-wise, to see if that can help. Um, but as I was saying, I finally spoke up for myself. I had a quick meeting with my boss and more my manager and she said openly like oh if anyone has questions if we have like a teacher meeting today you're more than happy to like meet from like x time or whatever so I was the first one like I just like instantaneously walked over even if I was debating in my head I knew I had to go over there I closed the door into her office along with the other manager and I just simply said like I hey I um I don't think um I can or I don't I, what did I say I said I think I need a break just because of yesterday and um, you saw how I was, um, my therapy session kind of, like, made me go into it. And I was, like, going on and on for a second. But basically what I said is, like, I need a break at least on Friday just to, like, gather my thoughts and mentally just chill out. Because it's been a lot. And I'm, I have a hard time voicing myself into making sure I'm mentally okay and prepared for the week. And it takes a toll on my teaching and the way I carry myself as a teacher and as a person. And my boss approved of it. She was all on board of just making sure I'm okay and that I'm actually talking and being able to share these thoughts. Because she said that we want to be able to like turn this boat around on like how workers are treated in, like, the way they can communicate with upper management, you know, which I appreciated. So I filled out the paperwork for that, and I just did my best through the week, even with, like, one of my kids just being an asshole really, really heavily. But actually, both. There was, like, two kids there just being dicks, but that's, like, it's normal. Like, it's... Stop saying that, Ruby. There are two particular kids that were just a lot, but I don't need to go into heavy detail as of why. It's just, it is what it is. Um, so I pushed through with that. And I kind of been let down a little bit with... Um, the chess instructor opportunity. They gave me like a follow-up email, I think like the last prior week on a Friday, saying like we would like to schedule an interview. And I didn't like respond right away just because it was like near the weekend and I just didn't want to respond an email right there. So I think on like Monday or Tuesday, I sent in like two dates that I have in mind that we could do. Um, and I haven't gone back to them other than just hearing back that, um, they said that they no longer wanted to have me do an interview for, like, the HR department. I did, but it confused me just because, like... They asked me for a second interview, but then all of a sudden, like, this happened. So it's just, like, really confusing. So I'm hoping at least this coming Tuesday I get a call from the recruiter. If not, I'm just going to say it's fully fallen through, but 
kind of like let me down seeing like an email like that and then um not expecting a call on one of the dates so that kind of sucks but I've been applying to other jobs nonetheless and keeping my hope and my hopes and my efforts up so then Friday came along um I booked a hotel and I was able to go to one of the hotels I thought I've stayed before prior and it was actually slightly different. So me and my girl were walking through Cambridge and we went to be able to go to this new hotel that actually wasn't far as a hotel I've been to before and it was pretty nice. It had a whole kitchenette I didn't expect and had like a like a stove top and all the stuff. The bed was nice and other stuff like that. And we chilled for a bit, caught up with info and just like talked for a bit. Um then we got all like set up to go to the snowport in the seaport area. We got an Uber with like this pretty like social but like awkward like Bostonian guy that talked us through and it was heavily trafficked through the seaport district. So we just got out as soon as possible. We get in there and it's so crowded. Um, I'm slowly getting overwhelmed. There's, like, people bumping into me. That I'm, like, my ADHD is going through the roof. My anxiety is just, like, surging. Um, I'm trying to hold on to, like, my girlfriend's hand while she's leading me. And then I, like, someone bumps into her, so I have to lead her. And I don't know where to go. I'm, like, just looking for spots to take a break, but there's, like, nowhere to, like, to really park yourself and look at stuff. It's just, like, and even with the shops, there's people inside the shops, so you can't stop there. There's people moving too slow. There's people moving too fast. My girlfriend wants to meet with one of her friends, and then I'm, like, losing it slowly but surely. And... We finally take like a moment where we can pause. And I'm like thinking of like all these people that were just like sitting in the way. And like I had to say, like speak up with like a louder tone. Like, please excuse me, move. Like this is getting too much. And I'm like expressing this to her. And she's noticing that I'm getting like really overwhelmed by it. So she's trying to calm me down and relax me and I'm like saying fucking fucking fuck just like it's I haven't felt that overwhelmed even with concerts like I like the feeling of concerts and knowing that there's a lot of people that's expected and I know what I'm getting into with this I was not expecting this much chaos with this many people bumping and like just like getting in the way of me and even um, we tried to get into a line for, um, like, apple cider. And it was just a long-ass line that we didn't know because there's so many people walking in the way. And we just parked ourselves here for a second. And some couple behind me, just a dude, give me, like, um, are you in line? Like, this fucking tone. And I said, yeah, I'm in line. And I'm, like, looking at him longer than I should just because I'm so fucking pissed and anxiety-induced. Like, I'm agitated. And then the other dudes are like, oh, well, th- there's a nicer dude, but he was just, like, explaining, like, oh, I, I this is, like, a line, but, it like, it goes and wraps around that way. And I said, just fuck this. And I just, like, walked away. And I got... I felt bad. Because she was starting to shut down because I was pissed off about 
the whole thing. And she was trying to talk to one of her friends and I was shutting down like in an angry way. Um, trying to get the fuck out of here because it's getting too much and I might actually punch some this dude behind me. And I haven't like felt that fucking rage before because like people who know me like sometimes I'll say that and then I don't actually do it but I actually had this like uncontrollable feeling of like squeezing my hand and almost like smacking this dude in the face with the way he was giving me a tone especially to like my girl too like I wanted to smack him across his fucking face so I just like we left she's down a little bit I wouldn't even say a little bit she's like disappointed that she couldn't like really go around a long as long as she did and there's like this big christmas tree and we're looking at it and like i'm trying to like cheer her up a little bit just because and like apologize just for my attitude on the situation because i really felt bad and um she was still not really having it. She wasn't angry at me or upset with me. She was just upset that she couldn't really appreciate the situation. And she felt bad that I got overwhelmed. Um, so we, like, walked around. I tried to get into Shake Shack, but that also was, like, covered up. And then I was looking around, and then I had, like, this weird deja vu feeling of like doing similar things that I've done in the past because we went into Scorpion Bar and it was like the same restaurant I went with my ex and it's like a different perspective because me and my ex like really enjoyed that place and we had like a lot of fun there but now it like I'm older and I'm the one taking her out and leading the relationship she's just like mm, I'm not really a fan of this place like she doesn't like how the food is overpriced she doesn't like that it's like a fusion but she's not saying this like in a critiquing like bad way she's just saying like in general honesty that she's not really enjoying the vibe um and she feels bad for how expensive the things are, for the quality that she's getting, especially when she grew up with a lot of, like, true Mexican-style food. She's, like, um, she kind of just, like, was going in and out of it about, like, thinking about the food and then thinking about me and then thinking about earlier with the whole festival. And I'm thinking about a lot of stuff that she didn't want to share with me just because she's still trying to get over that hump of getting comfortable about her feelings and what she's been through. And slowly but surely, the conversation started to get lighter. But it was a weird perspective just because of like me being here at the same place with my ex and having a different experience. It's kind of like a weird vibe. But I still enjoyed my time with my girl. Um, and then... Oh, I'm even, like, noticing now, like... I even went to Ben and Jerry's with my ex, too. And then I almost went to, like, the... Taiyaki's, like I did with my ex. Like, it's... <sighs> just a weird shit I notice so I think after a while I kind of was getting too much deja vu I wanted to like have a new experience with this girl that's been like really helping me and as we're walking back from the Ben and Jerry's we go into the CVS and that even that like I just ugh, I'm not I'm I don't want to keep going into that. Like, there's a lot of similar spots that I've 
went to with my previous relationship, but I went back to the Christmas tree, and the the festival was closed, so we were able to, like, huddle up and take a few photos of us together, and she really liked that, you know, my girl. She really appreciated what she could show to her family back home and her friends online and is like a photo of me like kissing her cheek and she like really enjoyed it and it like lightened her heart so I was happy about that um and then it was just so fucking cold just because it was by the water and I was freezing I was hoping that we can get an uber and we got it for like a pretty cheap price I could still smell the cologne in that car. And we finally got back. We chilled in our room. I think we watched something. What the hell did we watch? I don't even remember. We watched a few things. Did some stuff. And then... Relaxed, honestly. I remember, like, falling asleep really early. Because I was bragging that I might pop an edible. But we... I didn't even get to it because I was so sleepy. And then the next day... We had breakfast. And the breakfast was actually decent this time. Like, there was barely any crowd. Um, We got everything that we could get with our food um I enjoyed that we then took a nap after breakfast and then we went to the MFA and took the green line and like the whole like the whole setup finally get there we got just in time, so we're, like, taking a quick walk around, like, some of the galleries just to see what we're going to look at. And then we head down to the Time Magazine exhibit. And it's absolutely just, like, gorgeous with all the photographs and all the shit that it was showing. And it had, like, the 60s vibe of, like, the old chairs with the TVs and the furniture. It felt like a episode of Mad Men where you could see all these old documents and advertisements and magazines and photographs from all over the world in different eras and the context of it all. And from ranging from, like, photographs from the 30s that were, like, from Germany, from, like, the first starts of Time magazine when it was, like, a, survi- a Jewish survivor from the, like, the Holocaust period within World War Two and how they broke out of that. And leading to one of the galleries being really, really, really just, like, dark and expansive and I remember just the next like it it had the 60s vibe and all the photographs and then it just like cuts into this corner in the back and it has an all black wall with a tiny tiny trail of words that go across the wall and you follow it until the end of the sentence and it covers in the story of, I think, 1994 and 1996 when the the Hutu tribe killed the Tutsis. And I think Zimbabwe or Rwanda. I think it's Rwanda. And it was between these two, like, upper class and lower class um, tribes or within those, like, groups within Rwanda and the Hutus just annihilated like a whole bunch of like Tutsi civilians and people that were higher class or above them just because of all the abuse that they've received 
coming up from colonization and the wealth gap between even just within these tribes and the community. And the photographer wanted to give context of that meaning of all those lives lost that day or within that week of all the massacres and the genocide that happened. And it's like over thousands and thousands and thousands of these photos. And it's the same photo of this boy that this photographer captured. And it was a boy who he photographed his eyes. And it's the eyes of this boy that watched his parents get murdered in front of him during this genocide, this massacre. And you see these eyes imprinted on thousands and thousands of photographs piled up on this big wide pile. And they have photographs scattered in the middle of this large expansive table nothing else and you can there's some photos left out so you can look at them really closely with the microscope and you like intimately see these kids eyes that saw like some of the worst things humanity could ever provide within violence and war And you can feel that silence in the room. Just like that. And even the security guard, I don't know what language he was speaking, but it definitely sounded within West African languages. So I don't know if he was speaking for the sake of the gallery or some some kind of language. It just sounded like it added to that moment. And I think with what the photographer did as a piece, it was incredible to like capture all of that grief and all that pain and violence without having to show all of that. You just see the intimate eyes of somebody that's seen the worst of humanity all at once in a photograph multiple times over and see the absolute size and the mass of the tragedy. So if you ever get a chance, please spend the couple bucks to get that admission in the time slot and see that part of the gallery. Because right after that, it covers the newspapers of like modern day from like 2018 to 2014 to like the Black Lives Matter protests and the photographs that cover that. And there's a huge, huge like newspaper article of um, the teenager in Ferguson, I think Brown, I think Michael Brown, I believe his name is. Let me look it up quick, just for the sake of his name. Yeah, Michael Brown in 2014, I remember that case. On August 9th, 2014, 18-year-old Michael Brown was shot and killed by police officer Darren Wilson in Ferguson, Missouri. In the suburb of St. Louis. He was accompanied by his 22-year-old friend, Dorian Johnson, who later stated that Bryant had robbed the convenience store prior to the shooting occurred. And there's like this New York Times giant, giant size paper and they maximize the image and you just see this like boy's eyes 
only 18 years old, graduated high school. And you just lock into it. And I remember just seeing my girl's eyes because my girlfriend is black. And she didn't cry, she just kept staring and locking in. And she was like the only woman of color that was moving during that gallery or person of color that I could really tell. And she was definitely looking at the art pieces differently than everyone else, including me. But I definitely felt more tapped in just with her being around me. Being aware of the differences and still finding love and enjoyment with her. Amongst the many other people that were older or seeing time for what they saw as a child or growing up in the 60s or whatever. A lot of older people just seeing the memories that they saw through their own eyes. And then even just people, like, there was this gay white couple, these guys that were just kind of, like, giggling and, like, talking. And I'm sure they didn't mean anything bad by it, but they, like, were giggling right after seeing, like, the Rwandan exhibit leading into, like, the Black Lives Matter and the... um protest times with, like, the Proud Boys and, like, the far-right extremist newspapers and stuff. It's it's kind of hard to find something to giggle about when you have, like, genocide and large-scale protests about the lives of black people being shot, you know, and killed. Nothing other than just living and being people. But, like, this whole gallery, like, inspired me to just understand the meaning of large scale and meaning within art. And what I could do to provide my word and my voice within art. And I liked having my girlfriend's input and telling her stories of like how she was seeing things and how much she really enjoyed seeing that time exhibit and then us walking through the galleries and seeing all these beautiful Mesoamerican Latin American art that I just fall in love with all the time it's just so beautiful just see Azteca like Aztec, Mayan, Incan art all over the walls leading into like colonial America with like oil paintings and romanticism. And um, also found out my girlfriend loves like silver and like silversmith stuff, like tiny, tiny spoons and like French deco, like cutlery and stuff. Like she fucking loves the tiniest little things. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was giggling at that, so that's something new that I didn't know about her. Um, she is quite adorable. Um, she's very gentle. Mm. She's a very sweet girl. And I, I was really glad that she really enjoyed her time. She was able to, like, walk through the gallery with ease and didn't make me feel lost. She definitely could read the museum better than I could. Definitely got a better grounding for it. I was able to maneuver with ease. Um, we went to the bookstore slash, like, fucking knick-knack. Um... Yeah, like, what is it? What is that fucking thing called? I don't know. Where all the tchotchkes and the fucking... The, the gift shop. The gift shop. There's, like, two of them. I went to, like, the cool bookstore one. 
And then we went to like the knickknacky crappy shit. And they had the worst Michelle Obama and Obama stuffed like plushies we've ever seen. They almost look racial. Like <laughs> really bad like racist toys. Like I don't know why they approved of them. They look so bad. Um, they're like t-shirts and cool books and other stuff. But like yeah the the plush toys really caught us our guard we were giggling about that and then we were pretty much done after that we made our way back onto the train we got to Shake Shack caught some food talked about a few things um and then we walked down to Chinatown got my fucking waffle and my tiramisu boba, which I was so happy for. And she got that covered. And we then were, I was so cold just because of all of the, um, walking and the ice and like the fucking not even the ice just like the the weather itself just sucked i hate the cold so much my hands are freezing from holding the boba and holding the waffle in an awkward position and holding her hand to warm up um and hoping to god we can just get somewhere warm so she went to the bathroom at her place at her school and I was waiting in the lobby, just chilling for a bit, and she was just talking about how her roommate is just, like, sucking beyond belief more and more, and each time she's bringing back, like, more tea about how their roommate's just, like, creating more hell than there needs to be. So... I waited for a while downstairs while she was taking a bit longer than usual, just catching conversations with sweet mates and stuff. Um, I I waited for a while just to save some of that waffle for her. It was like a strawberry cheesecake waffle on a stick. And I couldn't really take it anymore. And I ate like a good amount after like 20, 15, 20 minutes, you know. I just didn't want it to be like so cold that it's uneatable. And I ate it and I still left a good portion for her to eat or take a bite out of. And then I ate the final bites. Um, We then walked over to catch a shuttle back to the hotel we walked back in we sat on the bed for a little bit watched some tv had some fun talked for a bit and then we were like debating on like getting drinks somewhere but we already changed into like pajamas and I just wanted to just go downstairs at the bar. The bar was really subpar. Did not mean to rhyme there. And the guy just had, like, no motivation in him. Like, I I asked for, like, a Stella Artois, an Old Fashioned, and a Shirley Temple. He's like, I can only, like, give you two of those things and not the Shirley Temple. I was like, okay, then just give me the two things. So he gives me Stella Artois. That's fine and dandy. I'm watching that while watching a boxing match in the lobby. My girl's chilling in, like, the um, booth area. And um, he's making the old-fashioned, but it's, like, a half-assed old-fashioned. And there's not even an orange peel. He just, like, stirs it up, gives it a little something, like, mixes it. It tastes okay for what it is, but there should have been, like, an orange peel and a few other things added to it to really make it what it was. So I only gave him, like, a short tip, you know, just for the effort. Um, But wouldn't really recommend this specific hotel just for that. 
Um, and then while I was down there, I was actually looking to see if the water, there was a water filter just because it was run by like a Marriott hotel and the prior hotel I stayed at with her like has a filter in it like within the gym and I checked the gym at this one and it did, it did not have a water filter and then the water filter that's in one of the machines like the orange and juice machine was locked off because they lock it off for only breakfast only and I was pissed about that so I had to go over to like the mini convenience store within the hotel and the audacity of this guy to be like oh I don't really know the prices like that um that's a lie (laughs) there was no menu like to range or give an idea on like what their cost I already know that they're going to be expensive but I go over and I'm like fuck it we're just going to share this life water and she agrees she just like certifies it for me so I buy a fucking life water for five dollars like what the fuck get the fuck out of here I go back up we chill for a bit um And then I'm, like, having a hard time sexually, just, like, getting there, you know? And I'm just having, like, a really tough time not thinking about my ex and also just like being present in the moment so often or not like I find myself just like not being into the moment just because I want to make sure that my girlfriend knows I'm attracted to them for them and not thinking about somebody else but I didn't tell her that I just was very like in and out with like whenever I was having intercourse you know We're often just trying to make it as short as possible so I didn't have to, like, thinking about my ex-girlfriend, you know. But it's tough. Especially, like, with my girlfriend right now. She doesn't do things the way my previous partner did or has the experience just because she's a virgin. I'm like, I'm the first guy she's ever experienced or partner she's ever really had a sexual experience with. So I have to really be kind to that, you know. And I am. Um, But it's definitely different. And I'm getting used to it more. And she's getting better. So I'm like getting like used to like how my body works and how comfortable she's getting with herself. Um, So I'm very proud of her for just like trying her best and um, trying to ask questions, because even there was a time, like, when we were watching a movie, like, we were watching Bad Moms earlier, I was not in the mood at all, and she kept trying to just go for my crotch, and I just, like, had to, like, just be like, no, like, can you just stop, or not even like that, just, like, I just kept pushing her hand away, just, like, just doing that, and she thought I was joking, but then I just said no, and she's like, oh, and she kind of, like, didn't expect that and kind of shut down for, like, half a second. She's like, I'm sorry, and, like, whispered to me. And I said, it's fine. Just, like, just give me a bit, you know. But it felt good just like, just say that, you know. Um, and just set that boundary for me because, like, I wasn't in the mood and she was more aroused at the time than I was but I still was able to like keep that boundary towards her and say no and then even this morning like she was wanting to have sex with me and I did but I had a hard time with that too because I just she only feels comfortable in certain positions and I don't I just, I kind of wanted it to be over with. And I don't know if, like, my 
thoughts of my ex are affecting it or if it's like my um it probably is but um if like my overdosage of like sexual imagery has paid a toll on me on what I like and what I'm attracted to you know so I'm trying to be more toned down and mindful of that but other than that like um, oh there was like a big crucial part before we went to that we went to bed that night she got, she tried an edible and got really 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 high and I I'd warned her like beforehand being like oh like I just wanted to keep you aware like you, you might get really high for this she's like oh no I don't really get high at all and it was only like a small percentage of a gummy and she started like giggling out of nowhere during the movie um and She's, like, giggling and giggling and giggling for a while. And then it, like, switches out of nowhere and she's crying really, really hard. And she's getting anxiety-induced. And she's, like, overwhelmed. She's like, can you just hold me, please? Can you please hold me? And I held on to her and I just said, it's okay. You have a lot going on. You just got to let go. And she's like, no, I'm so scared. I'm Like, I just don't want to do this right now. And I don't want you to see me like this. And I'm so afraid. I just kept saying this over and over again, and I felt so bad. Like, her heart was, like, really heavy. And she was feeling a lot of things. And all I told her is, like, you don't have to tell me why you're feeling like this, because I know you're you're getting overwhelmed. It's, like, really accentuating how you're feeling right now. But you got to just let it go, babe, okay? And she's, like, letting everything out onto me, onto herself. She was just being sad and letting herself be sad. And she was fighting it at the same time. She's, like, trying to, like, suck it up. And I'm like, don't do that because it's only going to keep building. And this is why this is happening is because you kept building this wall. She's, like, denying what I'm saying. But then she's also listening at the same time. She's just holding on to me for dear life while I hold her. And she's crying so, so deep and hard. And then, like, after 10, 12 long minutes, she's starting to laugh again. And she could even notice how long it was. She just said it felt like an hour, but it was only, like, maybe 10 minutes. Even despite me being high, like, I could still be sober enough to, like, get her out of that, you know? And I was glad I got to have that moment and be able to help her during that time, you know. Um, Yeah, and then, like, this morning, the sex part, like, me thinking about other stuff that I shouldn't have been really thinking about. And I just... Just me getting used to, like, someone that's really looking for me as me, you know. Um, We got up, got dressed, packed up early just because I packed a little the night before. Um, Checked out, got on a shuttle to Park Street. I took, she like left off her, her stop and then I went down to the red line back home and it was finally just like easy going. There weren't shuttles in between or anything like that. It was just easy. My dad picked me up and then I just headed home. Um, Settled in, did my finances, caught up with everything, did some drawing, reading, other stuff to chill out, ate some decent food today, and for the most part, just listened to music and been trying to prep for today or technically.
for school and stuff. I just I really don't want to deal with this. I just want to be able to get to like the Christmas week and be able to relax for a little bit and be by myself and chill. I mean, I, I can look forward to Friday to seeing my girlfriend, but <sighs> it's different. And me right now speaking to you, Chief, like having the memories show up on my Snapchat, like this is the week that I got to take care of you and hang out with Sparky. Like seeing the photos of Sparky broke my heart. And I really miss him a lot. I miss that fucking cat so much. And he manifests like every cat I've ever owned. And if you're there, I, I'd love to see you post more of him, honestly. Because I follow that Instagram account with him. So if you're listening to this, if there's any way you can post more of him, I would love that. I really appreciate that because I miss him a lot. And I miss your company. Um, I haven't forgotten your voice. And the craziest part is, like, I'm starting to, like, get into, like, this thing where I'm not missing you as much, and it's weird for me. Because I think it's, like, my body getting adjusted to you not being here anymore. And it's scary. the change that I'm not used to. I've done it before with previous exes, but with you, it's so different. It feels heavier, and my therapist, like, keeps telling me, like, you're going to go through your grief period. You're going to have to go through this loss in your life. And it does feel like that. And I still have to remember this is a loss, nonetheless. And I have to be aware that I can't talk to you for a while. And this is why I, I think this is the healthiest habit or outlet I can at least speak my mind and see how I'm feeling with you listening or not, you know. So I'm going to wrap up the last couple of of my thoughts and I really hope that you're okay I hope you're doing stuff for your own healing journey I mean it's weird for me to say this but I hope your relationship is going well I'm not saying this is comfortable for me to say I don't like having to say that, but it's true. I just want to be a mature person about it, you know. I hope that you're able to have that opportunity and take care of Sparky again and stay with that family, and hopefully you can find a place of your own and chill. And I'm sure you miss me in some kind of ways or think of me but I know that you can't talk to me for our own health. So I wish you would do. I still think of you a bit. Time to time. You're on my mind. But this girl's got me. And I hope that you're okay. Good night, everyone. 
Bye, Chief.